Welcome back to Corey and Lowry, episode number 116, and we are just one episode away from the greatness of Stephen Cole sitting upon us. I'm right here beside Sammy, not across today, I'm beside Sam Carter. Yeah. Sam, uh, how's life in the CLT? It's pretty good. Um, you know, weather's nice today. It is a beautiful Tuesday afternoon, and uh, we're here to break everything down. Uh, but first, question of the day, what is the worst song you can think of as an alarm clock? Um, For you personally. This is a personal choice. Uh, my dad every morning, because usually my mom wakes me up, but when my dad wakes me up, um, he sings this song. He sings, it's time to get up. It's time to get up. <laughs> it is incredibly annoying. Um, so that's that's a that's a Rob Carter original. Special. Wow, it is it is an original. Okay, um, I would probably say like something like Nirvana, like something that would be really annoying really yeah. quickly. Like, um, I don't know, but I mean, my dad used to wake us up during the pandemic every Friday with Rebecca Black's Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, got to get down on Friday. So that was pretty bad too, but. My mom would play that, or well, she wouldn't play it. She would sing it. Every oh, she would in, sing it in elementary school, only on Fridays. I think like a Taylor Swift country folk song could be pretty bad as well. Yeah, that could be. Bad. That would be, um, you know, not a good. You want a soothing song, I think. Well, you want to embrace the morning, right? You don't want it to be, you know, like here we go again. You know, that's not right. the feeling you want. All right, turn it over to sports. Uh, quickly going to touch on the NFL before we get to the basketball. Uh, the Panthers signed all-pro wide receiver Adam Thielen this week, and he said, quote, I think this team can go all the way. Sam, your thoughts on the quote of, uh, I mean, they had the number one pick, a very solid defense last year, but is this uh, overstating by Adam Thielen? Certainly, um, and I think that it is just – um, optimism, you know, even when he knows that this team is not going all the way. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, you know, I think the Panthers are certainly playoff contenders and will contend in the NFC South uh, next year. I mean, they were very close last year, given I mean, given how bad their quarterback play was to be have a chance is uh, remarkable. So I've got to give it out. Um, you know, I, but I like the confidence. It's the kind of guy you want on the team. Yeah, you want players on your team saying that. So he's really building the hype um, for next season. Um, and, you know, the all-awaited number one overall pick. Will they trade it? Uh, is it going to be Bryce Young or Justin? I mean, excuse, why do I keep saying Justin Fields? C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud. Uh, who's it going to be? So a lot of speculation, you know, a lot in the air. But Andy Dalton also signed by the Panthers, you know, perhaps as a backup option if the rookie doesn't pan out. Um, questionable call there, uh, but turning it over to the Charlotte Hornets, uh, they get the one and two on the week. Uh, you know they go twenty three and fifty now, second to last in the Eastern Conference. You know we're not even going to give out a player of the week um, for the Hornets. This team is miserable. They're they're pretty miserable. I mean twenty three and I have not watched a game since that Golden State game that we watched. Well, we weekend. Yeah. That is how bad. I mean, I don't think they're very watchable right now. No. Uh, given that Lamella is out for the season. 
Maybe if Miles Bridges comes back, I'll watch that game just to see how the fans react. But uh, yeah, this season is it's down the drain. But you know, got nine games left, so soak it in um, because he, he. You remember last year we were like the sixth seed with we all this hype, and how far we have fallen, how drastic three hundred sixty-five days have been, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's it's been a rough stretch for sure. Uh, but our player of the week overall, Giannis, climbing into the MVP race. Actually, we have a very interesting story to talk about. Very controversial. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, team of the week is the Chicago Bulls. Um, you know, they had a great double overtime win. Last night, Patrick Beverly, the new signing, uh, gets them the win over the 76ers as they climb uh, into the 10th seed. And, you know, maybe they're just playing to get swept by the Milwaukee Bucks. But. You know, it's got to mean something to them uh, to be in that position. Um, but here's the story. Uh, so if you don't know, uh, first take, they like to mix it up now that Stephen A is getting a little bit older. Uh, and, I mean, let's be real. I mean, he's like 55 years old yeah. and working, you know, on television five hours a day, five days a week is a difficult yeah. endurance. He's done it for a very long time. Okay. And so Kendrick Perkins said, you know, obviously Nikola Jokic, who is almost putting up a triple double this year, is leading the MVP ladder. He, I think Giannis and Embiid are in the conversation for sure. I don't think this is by any stretch of the imagination. It's not over. Um, but Kendrick Perkins says, you know, there hasn't been a African American player who has won three straight MVPs uh, since Larry Bird did it in uh, 1984, 1985, and 1986. Obviously. Nikola Jokic. You mean a white player? No, I mean, there hasn't been an African-American player to do it since Larry Bird. Uh, I'm saying there were African-American players before then. But nobody's done it three times for us since then. He said they were citing there's so many great African-American players. Why hasn't one of them done it? Yeah. Um, And he's saying that there's kind of a race element in the committee um, in that, you know, there's they only would give three in a row to a white player. Obviously, Nikola Jokic, he's from Europe. Um, he's white, and you know, just Sam, what do you think about? Is there kind of MVP bias? Do you think there's even bias against him winning three in a row? Just to see some change in the award. Um, just kind of your whole thoughts on Kendrick Perkins take valid? Uh, is it you know overreacting? You know what what's your Opinion um, on the situation. I think that it it, it sounds like overreacting. Um, I think that the MVP is just the best player in the league, and you know if Nikola Jokic is the best player in the league, then he deserves the MVP, whether it's three years in a row or not. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that to counter Kendrick's argument, um, you know. We there have been so like I mean Michael Jordan has obviously had his run since then winning five MVPs. He just didn't win three in a row because he was overtaken by other great African American players. So I mean, and I mean you look at Steve Nash, who many consider to be a terrible MVP, um, who is you know Canadian, and you know you say you know how how could he you know not win three in a row by his logic, um, if there is bias in that committee. Obviously, that the MVP thing has kind of been always debated because, you know, award shows are inherently flawed within our society. I feel like we could do a whole episode about that, especially the Grammys. I mean, the Grammys is terrible. But, 
you know, I just think that he's overreacting, and this is an overreach on the situation. But Joel Embiid is certainly, I mean, he's got the highest points per game in the league, and this team's got a better record. So, Sam, would you like to see it go to Joel Embiid just to break the, you know, over and over again in Nikola Jokic because he hasn't proven himself? Or do you think that Nikola Jokic, because, I mean, he hasn't been shooting the balls. He isn't scoring at such a high rate, but he's almost averaging 10 assists as a center, which is unbelievable. And, you know, he's the best player on the best team in the Western Conference. You know, who do you think is more deserving of it right now? Um, well, I would say that the player to end the season with the best statistics and the best record deserves the MVP. And right now it looks like Nikola Jokic. So let me go with Jokic. Yeah, I mean, there's still, you know, plenty of basketball at the play. The Sixers could, I think they could move into the second spot. And I think that would, I mean, that would be meaningful, uh, you know, for Joel Embiid's case. Um, but a lot of basketball left to play. And a lot uh, still left in the air. Uh, some other headlines. Uh, Clay Thompson uh, playing the Grizzlies. Uh, notorious kind of rivalry that's built here between the Warriors and Grizzlies. As they were down, Clay Thompson showed Dylan Brooks the one, two, three, four, indicating his four championships. But he was losing. Sam, cool? Not cool. Um, not cool. Uh, live in the present day. Well, um, yeah. Those championships, while they mean something in the broad scheme of things, they don't mean jack, you know, during the game. Very true. All right, and the Lakers continue to struggle to make a move. As they currently sit in the 11th spot, uh, LeBron's return appears to be imminent. Um, but, you know, just still waiting on them to make that push uh, that they've talked about, but they're in the 11th spot right now. Uh, the Denver Nuggets have clinched the playoff as as well as the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics. Um, I think the 76ers might have clinched it last night. Oh, no, they didn't. They lost. Never mind. Uh, but as soon as they get one more win or, you know, I think one more game is played even, I think it's virtually in the bag uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers. So, you know, can they finally, uh, you know, pay off the process? You know, we've been winning so many years. The whole Ben Simmons layup controversy uh, this past yeah, you know, uh, two years ago, I guess that was. It's just it's been a, it's been a swirl of emotion from the lowest depths to almost the top, and they've been kind of just flatlining here at this plateau. So we'll see if they can overcome it. Well, now for the main event, uh, March Madness, and uh, you know we had an incredible round of thirty-two, mm-hmm. produced some upsets. We also got some more chalk. Um, we have a fifteen seed remaining. The best seed uh, was the three-seed line. They got three three-seeds um, in this year's Sweet 16. Um, we got three locations, Madison Square Garden, T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, T-Mobile Arena in Kansas – T-Mobile Center, excuse me, in Kansas City, and the KFC Yum Center in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, first up, we'll start off with the magical run of FDU. They take down Purdue Friday night. Fall just short against Florida Atlantic on Sunday. Sam, do you think that this FDU run characterizes a larger trend towards upsets in the NCAA tournament? Well, I think that it shows that, you know, you can't just build a team off, you know, one guy or, you know, one and done's just star players. Um, I think that especially in March, um, there's a huge dependency on having team chemistry 
being able to pass the ball and you know we coached a team this this uh winter and you know they weren't the best but uh you know when you teach a team to play together they can beat anybody so yeah i mean it's certainly a huge boost for fdu i think it would have been incredible if they would have gotten to play in the garden um, which is just you know across uh, the george washington bridge away uh, from campus so their whole school would have come uh, but florida atlantic has a they have a strong team and um, i'm excited i think they're well deserving um spot here in the sweet 16 um but you know we saw some upsets as well um michigan state taking down marquette they're kind of a surprise team they were you know, ranked early on in the season but tom Izzo has his team back uh madison square garden in the sweet 16 uh i would say yukon connecticut has looked like one of the strongest teams they'll take on arkansas after what we might call the best game of the tournament um, in Kansas, Arkansas, uh, Sam just kind of described the emotions of that Kansas-Arkansas game. Um, you know, I was watching this game with my grandmother. Um, she is a major basketball fan, um, and she will hop on the bandwagon of any team as if as if she went there and played on the team. Um, so there was a lot of yelling in my house, cheering for uh, Arkansas. Um, but, yeah, it was an incredible game to watch. Um, you know, I want to give a shout out to Eric Musselman taking his shirt off and swinging it around to the crowd of, uh, Arkansas alums. That was a cool moment. That was uncool. You have to be professional. You are, I mean, I get it's it. Arkansas, man. I get it's Arkansas, but they did make the Elite Eight last year. So you set the precedent and then you come back and take your shirt off. I mean, imagine they just lose the Sweet 16 and you took your shirt off for nothing. You take your shirt off when you win the championship. That's one thing. But I think a coach, he should have. I think it's cool, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like. There's there's different brands of coaching, I think. And maybe the Jay Wrights and the Roy Williams and the Krzyzewskis of the world are moving Listen, Musselman, he is, I mean, I don't know. He's wearing a t-shirt. He's wearing a t-shirt to the. Second round of the NCAA. Nah, that's not cool. I think we should go back to suits. I agree. In my opinion, I but, agree. Uh, I mean, he coached a tremendous uh, game on uh, Saturday. So I mean, shout out to Arkansas taking down the defending champion Kansas Jayhawks. Um, and they'll face off against Connecticut, in which should be a really good matchup in Las Vegas. Um, we also got to talk about Princeton marching on. Um, they kind of decimated. The souls, uh, you know, of Missouri, of Missouri, and that I mean, their rebounding was immaculate. I feel like, you know, despite them being the smaller team, they just they wanted the ball so much more, yeah. And I think that kind of goes back into the ability to transfer. And you know, if I'm a Princeton player and I play well, you know, if I can get to go to a low ranking, the Power Five school, like let's say I get to transfer in, into a Louisville or to a Georgia Tech, that would be you know, immense. Uh, for yeah. myself, so I think there's just so much more on the line these days uh, for those types of teams. And uh, Princeton, you know, they keep marching on. They're taking on Creighton uh, on Friday uh, for a chance to go to the Elite Eight. Um, Creighton, by the, I mean, excuse me, Princeton, by the way, the first Ivy League school to have put both a women's and men's team uh, past the first round um, in the same year. So, props uh, to Princeton. Um, and down goes the Blue Bloods. 
We saw Duke, yeah. who you predicted was the favorite to win after the first round. We saw Kansas lose, who I predicted would be the favorite to win after the first round. And Kentucky lost. Obviously, North Carolina not in it this year. Uh, UCLA, the last Blue blood standing. They take on Gonzaga. Um, Sam, is the lack of Blue Bloods in this Sweet 16 good or bad? For this tournament, um, I want to make a case for another potential blue blood, maybe a fringe blue blood, UConn. Okay, and they have the history. I w- okay, they have um, won four championships. But I'm gonna say that they're not quite North Carolina, Kansas, um, quite that. Yeah, they don't have the repertoire of players. Yeah, as uh, a UNC or a Kentucky, I would say. I mean, Rip Hamilton. Khalid Alamine, Kemba Walker, those guys are kind of cult heroes yeah. instead of cult heroes. I mean, they're they're more. You have to be a fan. There's no bandwagons for UConn. That is true. That's why they're not a blue blood. Yeah, you have to. I think most of Connecticut's fans live in Connecticut or are you know attendees of the university. Yeah. So yeah. I think they're afraid. I think they're living on the edge right now. Yeah. But to answer my question, better or worse, without blue bloods, let's let's say ignore UConn as a blue blood. Um. For now. Let me think. I mean, being a Carolina fan, um, it it is more fun when Carolina's in it, but uh, I think that it's always nice to mix it up, and so. I mean, I don't want Duke or Kentucky to win another one. So that is as true. As far as that yeah. goes, I think last year, I think it's good to have the alt the the parody. Like yeah. last year was ultimate blue blood. Like it was Villanova, yeah. Kansas, Duke, Carolina was the final four. I mean, that's ultimate blue blood, and it produced some of the, I mean, two of the most watched college basketball games of all time in the Duke Carolina game and the national championship. So I think that diversity from year to year is important. I don't think you're going to see the same ratings, but I right. think that it's important to take a step back and say this year can do its own thing, and maybe next year it'd be better if – but this is all just what's better. I mean, I can only speak in hypothetical. Uh, but let's get to the games now. We're laying down our predictions now that we're at the point where we can predict. We only have eight games to predict. Okay, so we got the first up in the Garden. Michigan State versus K-State. K-State with uh, the 5'8 hero, yeah. Ida Muggsy Bogues, complexion of a hockey puck. Sam, who you got in this uh, first Sweet 16 matchup? Um, Michigan State looked great, um, but Kansas State looked better against a better team. Um, I got to go with Kansas State. Yeah, I'm going with K-State as well. Um, they've been solid all season. They've had some up and down stretches in their Big Twelve play, but I think that they just have a little bit more talent and a little bit of a little bit more togetherness than this uh, Michigan State team. But look out for uh, James Hauser uh, on Michigan State number ten. I believe he is. He's a lethal three point threat. And next up, you got Arkansas and uh, you know the not quite the muscle man, but the muscleman taking on uh, the Connecticut Huskies. Sam, who do you have in this next matchup? I got to go with the heart of Eric Musselman. Um, I got Arkansas in this one. I think it'll be a great game. 
I just don't think that the Big East was uh, that strong this season. Yeah, I mean, obviously it hurt to see Marquette go down. I mean, they're they're champion to go down like that. Um, but I, I'm going to take Connecticut. I think they've been the strongest uh, team this tournament. In terms, of, they haven't really had any kind of bumpiness. Um, so give me Connecticut. Um, next up, FAU Tennessee. I got to go with Tennessee on this one. Tennessee absolutely dominated Duke. Um, it was not a fun game to watch um, from any standpoint. Um, so I got I got Tennessee in this one. I feel like that one was fun to watch. I mean, I loved watching. I mean, you had to watch it with a Duke fan, so yeah. maybe that changes your your complexion. Um, but I think Tennessee dominated. Um, they just looked, you know, they got grown men playing out there, and yeah. I think FAU is not ready to handle the physicality of Tennessee. All right, next up, perhaps the most intriguing and underrated matchup of this Sweet 16, the Gonzaga Bulldogs uh, facing off against UCLA in an epic Final Four rematch of two tournaments ago. Sam, who do you have in this one? I got UCLA. Um, I don't think Gonzaga will ever win a national championship. I think that uh, they will get very, very close. Um, but this season is not their season to get close. That, that was a bold take. Um, I'm also going to go with UCLA. The experience, obviously, Drew Timmy is on the other side. But I just think Tiger Campbell and Jaime Hawkins are firing on all cylinders. They had a very impressive start. Um, so I think that after those first two games, I'm definitely going to be taking UCLA. Now moving on to the Friday games, Alabama taking on San Diego State. Um. So San Diego State has looked strong all all tournament. I would say they haven't had the most difficult games. They did, you know, pick apart Furman, but I gotta go with Alabama. Alabama is, I think, the best team in this tournament. Yeah, lethal shooters across the Alabama roster. Well, no pun intended. They didn't actually pull the trigger. No but, pun intended. Uh, but that's yes. a debate for another time. Yeah, but the talent of Alabama is going to cruise here, um, taking the Crimson Tide. And then the last ACC team standing, Miami taking on the Houston Cougars. Um, the ACC bias is coming back. Um, this is not, what do they call Houston back in the 80s? Five Slamma Jamma? Yeah, five. this is not Five Slamma Jamma. Um, it's time for Isaiah Wong. Um, yeah, yeah. He, I watched the end of that, um, Indiana game, Indiana game. Indiana looked like a JV team compared to Miami and Miami just did what they wanted. They played a faster brand of basketball. It was very creative. I thought, um, they are a faster team than Indiana and they sort of, uh, marginalized, um, Trace Jackson Davis. Um, so I got I got the Canes. I'm going with Houston. I think just too much talent. Uh, Michael Sasser. If he's obviously his health is in question, but um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Houston despite the ACC bias. I, th- I think Miami could very realistically win this game, uh, but I think Houston's gonna take it out. And then the uh, highest seeded matchup: the Princeton Tigers against Creighton. Creighton looked dominant against Baylor. I think that the Cinderella run for the the Tigers is done. I'm going the opposite direction. I'm going Princeton. Wow. Lock it down. 
they have some they have some ball players and they rebound very well. They're very disciplined, as you would expect from an Ivy League team. Yeah. Uh, so give me the Tigers in this one. And then finally, uh, Xavier against Texas in Kansas City. Sam, your pick. I got the Musketeers. I think that they have the X factor. Um, but yeah, I think that you know Texas hasn't shown me much. So I got Zavia, as some people say. Uh, I'm taking Texas. I had them in my championship in my original bracket. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I got to stick with my guns. I mean, I know they had a shaky first-round matchup, um, but, you know, I, I believe in Texas. Uh, well, that's going to wrap up our coverage here. Uh, you know, I got Sam with me, but hopefully one week's time from now we'll have what what promises to be the most hyped episode of Corey and Lowry ever uh, with Stephen Cole on the mic. Uh, but tune in this weekend uh, for an update on the Elite Eight games, which we played Saturday and Sunday. Um, so, yeah, that is going to about do it. Uh, Sam Carter, fully UNC decked out in clothing yeah. right now. Final thoughts? Um, I'm just, you know, excited for another weekend of tournament basketball. Yeah. And I hope that you are too. I am. It's not the same as this round of 32, but certainly exciting. Uh, well, that is going to do it for episode number 116 of Card and Lowry. And you hear from us sometime soon.